Uh, we live in a divided world. I don't have to tell you that. Man, it doesn't take very much for us right after Christmas to start back in again. You know, there's a day or two, maybe Christmas week when things are calm and we kind of feel good about each other. And then, man, as soon as that's over, we're back at it again. It doesn't take much for us to divide a mask or no mask, Starbucks or Tim Hortons, Bills or Patriots. Ah. There was a guy in an apartment complex who was complaining. He said, man, my neighbors, can you believe that? My neighbor knocked on my door at 1.30 last night. 1.30 in the morning. The nerve of that guy. Lucky for him, I was still up playing my bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, man. We find ways to turn on each other. Uh, a lot of times it's, you know, the typical race, uh, religion, Politics, gender, economics, culture, food, ice cream flavors. It doesn't take much. You like that? Really? Um, It boils down to us and them. The Bible calls this hostility. Hostility. We've been talking about peace on earth Um this month of December, the angel said, Peace on earth to the shepherds, goodwill towards men. And uh, there's this hostility that's in the world. I'm reading a book right now about the taming of the West in the 19th century. Uh, it's mostly about George Armstrong Custer and how he was chasing Indians all across the plains and the Dakotas. And the U.S. Army was trying to bring peace of course, as people move west, they continued to run into these Native Americans. Some were friendly at first, but as more and more pioneers pushed west, the Indians resisted. Who wouldn't? Uh, few of us would welcome a people that came and camped on our front lawn and, and cut down our trees and shot our pets. Uh, nobody would like that. So it wasn't long before hostilities broke out in this unimaginable Horror of how people treated each other. The Topeka Weekly Leader, the newspaper, expressed the thoughts of most U.S. citizens about the Plains Indians at that time. This is what it says, I quote, They're a set of miserable, dirty, lousy, blanketed, thieving, lying, sneaking, murdering, graceless, faithless, gut-eating skunks as the Lord ever permitted to infect the earth and whose immediate and final extermination all men should pray for. Yeah. That's how it was viewed. And, of course, if you were on the wrong side of violence from the Indians, uh, you took up that cheer. That's how you felt about it. And if you were on the other side, receiving the the violence of the white man as they moved west, you would... You would feel that way if you were on the redskin, the Indian side. Hostility. It's just amazing to me. It's hard to justify this in my head. The armies of heaven praise God at the birth of Christ, announcing glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. It seems like an opposite contradictory statement peace on earth with that kind of stuff going on 
our well-known, one of our well-known Christmas songs includes this line. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song. It mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Mr. Rogers taught a generation of kids to be good neighbors. And we've been taught to play nice by our moms and dads. And we know the golden rule to treat other people the way we want to be treated. We know that. But still, hostility rages. Uh, In the United States, more than seven people per hour die a violent death. That's incredible. In 2019, more than 19,000 people were victims of homicide. Over 47,000 people died by suicide. Those are numbers from the U.S. government. Uh, Some of you have visited concentration camps in Europe. Former concentration camps. Uh, reminders of the horrors of World War II. And some of you have visited national cemeteries like Arlington, battlefields like Gettysburg, and you walk away from there shaking your head saying, what is wrong with mankind? Why can't we get this figured out? When will the hostility ever stop? Uh, Would more education solve it, you think? If we taught if we taught history better and don't do what they did? Is the answer found in this economic equality? If we all had the same thing, we wouldn't envy each other. We wouldn't want what they have. Can the United Nations come up with a program that's effective and workable? If more religion was taught, would would that help? Probably not. It seems like through history, religion is one of the reasons why people fight against each other. Our solutions never touch the root of the problem, which is the human heart. That's where the problem lies. So around AD 63, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this masterpiece letter we call now the book of Ephesians. In it, he explains how the grace of God and the power of the cross is the answer to our hostility. It's amazing. Only in the church, God brings people together in Christ. Every local church is a miracle of God's grace. The truth is, the truth is, none of us should be here today. None of us deserve to be here today. None of us have the credentials to be here today, but here we are, a community of grace. Here's a simple outline of what I'd like to present to you just in three sections of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. First idea is what we were, then what God did, and then what we are now. It's pretty simple, but the way Paul explains it, is far deeper than this pea brain can go. I'll just tell you that straight up. But here's how Paul describes us in verse 11, chapter 2. Therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, 
excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, and without hope, without God in the world. The word remember is important here. It's repeated twice. Remember what you were. This will give you a view of yourself that is one of humility. You don't really deserve any of this, you know. You wouldn't be here were it not for God's grace and His blessing on your life. Remember what you were. You were an outsider. The word there refers to nations or ethnic groups. It's a term for non-Jews in the New Testament. People, unless some of you guys have done DNA tests and you can trace back and you know maybe you're 2% Jewish, I don't know, something like that. But most of us are on the outside of that, uh, that ethnic group. It's, uh, you're an outsider. There's an edge of contempt to this word. The, the, the word is uncircumcised, meaning, oh, you're outside. You're one of those kind of people. Oh, it's kind of looking down your nose. It's a derogatory term. General Philip Sheridan was famous for coining the phrase, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And that's kind of the condescending view of the Jewish mindset. In the early days of Christianity, there was a code. There was this invisible line between Jewish people and everybody else. The Jewish Christians felt superior because they had this special connection with God. They had the law. They they had their traditions. They viewed themselves up very proudly as God's chosen people. They had the pipeline, and everybody else didn't have the pipeline. So everybody else was inferior. That'd be you. You were an outsider. The insiders and the outsiders were separated by this invisible line. It was kind of like when you go back to high school, I don't know, you get your tray and you're looking around now, you're in the cafeteria, you get your lunch tray, and you're looking around for some place to sit. You know, maybe as you get to be an upperclassman, you have that special group of friends you sit with. But there were some places where you know you weren't welcome. You just, you're walking around and say, okay, there might be seats at that table, but I know I can't sit there because I'm on the outside. I have to find someplace else to sit. And that's kind of how it was. There was this code, a code, an invisible line a dividing wall of hostility, separate, you don't belong, excluded foreigners, no relationship with God, no hope, you're out of it. This, this is us. We are, we are spiritual, illegal immigrants. You have no standing, always poor, always afraid that uh, like a like an illegal immigrant, we're spiritual illegal immigrants. Always afraid somebody's going to show up at the door and say, "What are you doing here? You don't belong here. Like, show me your papers. You're out of here." The treatment between these two groups caused this resentment. This resentment that turns to anger, and then the anger turns to hostility. We don't like each other. We just don't like each other. Um, so Leroy Lawson in his commentary said, How could the people of God have anything to do with godless Gentiles? They just don't fit. You don't fit. 
And so it carries over into all of life. Man, you're different from me. Therefore, I don't like you. Therefore, I might take stuff from you. I might take your property. I might take your life. That's what we were. At war. Excluded. Okay, so we better get to what God did pretty quickly here. What? Notice the first word, verse 13. One of the best words in the Bible, of course. But. Yeah. There's another one of those biggest buts in the Bible. Verse 13. But now... But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He did it. Verse 15, by setting aside in His flesh the law with His commands and regulations, His purpose was to create one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. (gasps) He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Peace on earth. Good will to men. There it is. When the blood of Christ was shed on the cross, God opened a way to bring all things together under one head, even Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. That's what God's trying to do. Bring all things together under one head, even Christ. So the blood of Christ has this ability to wipe out this wall of hostility and give us something brand new. There's no points anymore for being of the right ethnicity or the right religion. Though neither side deserved it, He reconciled people to God through the cross. Um, it's, it's, it's profound what the cross did for bringing peace to mankind. Peace between us and God. Peace between us and each other. Peace inside our own heart. Uh, Jesus ended the war between God and man and between man and man. And all who are in Him are on the same team. You remember the guy who wrote these, these words, right? Paul himself said of himself he was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. He was that guy. He was the one full of hostility. But through Christ, He was able to lay it down through the grace of Christ. And now He's a servant of the Gentiles, the very people He hated. He couldn't be around. Wow. Only a heart transplant can do this kind of work and only Christ can perform the surgery. Go back with me. Uh, Remember when Jesus died on the cross? Matthew records that the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It was a barrier that divided people from God. Unholy people from the holy God. But when that veil went down, the door was opened up so that everybody could have access to God. God's dwelling place would would not be one location anymore. It would be your heart. That's where it would be. 
So the key word is access. Verse 18, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. You just can't walk into the White House. You either have to have an an appointment or an escort or some kind of connection, right? You need somebody to get you in there. And Christ is the one that gets us in to the Father. We have access through Him. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the door. I just love it. It says, once we were far away, now we've been brought near through the blood of Christ. We all come to Him on level ground. We can only get to God through Him, not through any other connection. So all those who have surrendered to Christ are now one in Christ. Uh, the reason for our hostility is gone. We're, we're accepted. We don't have to fight for recognition anymore. We don't need anything else because we have this relationship with God. Man, it's just amazing. He Himself is our peace. We've been adopted into this family. I kind of walked around this week singing a song that Deb and I learned a long time ago from our friends from Zimbabwe. We are one big happy family. That's what we are in Christ. Well, I Before we were enemies. We didn't like each other. We had all these differences. But now in Christ, the ground's leveled. When a person turns to Christ, they, as it were, take off their old jersey. And they put on Christ a new jersey. They're united to Christ and everyone wears his jersey now before uh, before we we had this jersey with our name on the back and we were a one man team it was all about me I wanted recognition I wanted to win I would take what you had to satisfy my needs that's how it was but now in Christ you died you put him on you're playing for his name on the front of the jersey now and the hostility that you once had has been replaced by peace. I don't need that anymore. I got all I need in Christ. It's interesting, just in these verses alone, peace is mentioned four times. It's mentioned seven times in the letter, in the whole letter. And it's pretty cool that at the end, it calls the gospel the gospel of peace. Chapter 6, I think verse 15. So that's what we were, far away, excluded, that's what Jesus did. He ended the hostility. He, de- he destroyed the dividing wall. So what are we now? Verse 19. Consequently, <laughs> love it. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone In Him, the whole building is joined together. There's no wall of hostility anymore. Now we're joined together. And it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you too are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Man, there are no longer uh, Russians in the kingdom or Indians in the kingdom or politicians in the kingdom. No, we're brothers. We're on the same level. We we see the lost as needing a Savior. And once they get to know the Savior, it changes how they view everything and everybody. 
So peace on earth can happen only when we lay down our agenda and we take up His. Um, you know, somebody says, what's your, what's your hope for the world? Miss America, what's your hope for the world? I pray for peace on earth. I want peace on earth. Good luck with that. It's, it's only in Christ. When you confess Christ, you're adopted into His family. We play by a new set of rules. We love one another. The hostility has melted away and peace has taken His place. Isaiah, long before this, said God would do a new thing. Chapter 11 of Isaiah. Let me just read this to you because this is a picture of what God wants to do when He ends the hostility and brings peace. Listen to these amazing words. Chapter 11, Isaiah, verse 6 and following. The wolf will live with the lamb. What? No way. The wolf always eats the lamb. That's how it was, but not in this new system that the Lord has established. Let me, I got goosebumps. Uh, let me just read this. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, lion and the yearling together. And a little children, a little child will lead them. The, the cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. God's doing a brand new thing in this kingdom. Verse 8, The infant will play near the cobra's den. What kind of a world is this? The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Moms, can you imagine that? No way in the world. But in this new kingdom, that's how it will be. Verse 9, They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea verse 10 in that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples the nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious God is doing a new thing. Isaiah promised it. And the new thing is He's ending the hostility and He's bringing peace in our hearts towards each other. A wolf and a lamb living in harmony. A a leopard taking a nap with a goat. Natural enemies at peace. It's Paul's life. A blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Now he's the wolf taking care of the lambs. The root of Jesse has replaced hostility with peace. Now, Sixty years ago, there was a bitter anim- anim- uh, hostility between Germany and Israel. As you can imagine, now between Germany and Israel, they are very strong trading partners. Uh, there's educational programs that go back and forth between the two countries. Um, there's peace between these two former enemies. What happened? I quote to you from uh, Los Angeles Times archives of April 12, 1990, from the L.A. Times Wire Services. This is the story. After four decades of denying a dark past, East Germany today apologized to Israel and all Jews for the Nazi Holocaust and accepted joint responsibility for the slaughter of six million Jews during World War II. 
The quote is this, East Germany's first freely elected parliament admits joint responsibility on behalf of the children, children for the, of the people for the humiliation, expulsion, and murder of Jewish women, men, and children. We feel ashamed. We ask the Jews of the world to forgive us. Wow. The wolf had a change of heart. And it's laying right down there, right beside the lamb. It's amazing. How'd that happen? Well, it was uh, through humility. I'm not saying the whole German government became Christians. Not that, but they realized their error. In humility, they confessed their past. They took responsibility for it. They asked forgiveness for it. And they showed grace. And it was granted back from the other side. That's a picture of what God wants to do for all of us. It's an amazing thing that happened back then. It could happen among nations today, but only when grace is shown. Uh, In in Christ, though there are no insiders and outsiders, uh, in the body of Christ, we're too busy serving each other to care about all that other stuff. I don't, I don't care what flavor of ice cream. I don't care how you vote. I don't, I don't care what you wear. I don't, you're my brother and you're my sister and we're in this together and I'm for you. I'm not against you and I'm about encouraging and serving you and I hope that goes back the other way towards me too. But even if it doesn't, it's okay. I know what my responsibility is. See, in Christ we have this new uniform and we have new teammates and we have a new standard. It's all different now in Christ. We're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens. We once had no hope. Now we have a future. Uh, Once we were filled with hostility, now we got this peace bubbling out of us. I went to the uh, Christmas Eve service in the pavilion at noontime on Sunday over here. um, They opened up the garage doors of the pavilion right behind the church, and the Lutheran churches in the area had this service. And, uh, you know, they did it in the Lutheran way. Um, You know, it was a liturgy, and you read it, but it was powerful. It was great. I enjoyed being there. Some of my neighbors were there. It was just good for me to be there, just be obscure in the back and enjoy them. But they serve the Lord's Supper. And you walk up to the front in a line of people, and uh, they didn't know me. The guy doing it didn't know me, but he looked me in the eye and he gave me this piece of bread. And he said, this is the body of Christ, broken for you. And I moved on to the next line, and there they served the juice. Um, their juice is a little more powerful than our juice, I'll say that. <laughs> Which is the reason I went. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the man looked me in the eye and said, This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. He did not ask me my background. He did not want to know about my bank account. He didn't want to know about my criminal record 
or my great achievements. He didn't want to know about any of that stuff. The body of Christ broken. The blood of Christ poured out. I walked out of that room feeling like I was in the same family with these people. Some I knew, most I didn't. What a great thing it was, this unifying factor that we have in Christ. I have been privileged like a bunch of you to travel around the world and take communion in many different locations with many different people. And it's that unity right there in the Lord's Supper that is indescribable, really. I'm one with these guys and girls. We're in the same family. Yeah, they eat different food and they, they look a little bit different for me and I can't understand what they're saying. But man, in that moment, there's this oneness. It's this unparalleled unity. It's this adopted family. It's citizens of heaven living here on earth for right now. God no longer lives in a temple in Jerusalem. He lives in the hearts of His people that He purchased with His blood. And when you meet one of them, you know right now, this is family. We're together. So He reconciles us to God so we can be reconciled to each other. So, remember, great word in this text, remember, if you can remember, you'll be way ahead of the game. Remember now, we're fellow citizens. We're members of God's household. We're a temple which God is living in by His Spirit. What a transformation. Peace on earth. So here's just a couple takeaways as we close. I can invite the worship team up as I do this. First of all, celebrate every church as a miracle of God's grace. Every church is like that. I don't care where you go, really. People are in that church that should not belong there and do not deserve to be there, and they're there by the grace of God. Just like you and me. What an amazing thing. We pick on things we don't like, I know that. But remember what He's done. Don't be defined by, I don't like that, I can't stand that. Uh, Labels divide and make us become judgmental and critical. And uh, just need to repent and uh, remember we're a miracle of God's grace. Here's the second idea. Cherish this unity that we have in Christ. Uh, again, we wouldn't be here if it were not for the grace of Christ. We, we're natural enemies. We don't have a lot in common with each other, but we've been brought together by this grace of Christ. And later in the same letter, Paul would write these words. Check this out. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace on earth. Show that. The followers of Jesus recognized our differences and they celebrated our unity. There's only one way I got into the family of God and that's through the gracious gracious work of God adopting me in. So I got nothing other than Him. I welcome you to join that fellowship. Here's the last one. Uh, Break down some of those walls of hostility. 
be a dispenser of grace. You know those little toys, uh, candy toys that we used to have, Pez, you know, the little Pez thing. You know, you flip the top, the, the head opens up, and out comes a little Pez, a dispenser. You need a, Instead of dispensing little Pez candies, every time that opens up, man, dispense some grace. Share it with people. We have decisions to make. You can keep walls up or you can tear them down by the grace of Christ. Those who follow Jesus take on His agenda. Just serving one another in love. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. You're a creation of the Lord. And uh, I'm bound and determined to serve you. So let me just finish that song that I sang. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Here's, here's how it goes. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God isn't dead, nor does He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With, with uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Only in Christ does the hostility come down. Let's live it.